This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Would have loved to hear what every one of us shared and perhaps over time we will. But I pray and trust with you that in 2019 you're going to grow in every one of those areas. That you're going to be able to stay true to that which you feel God is is stirring in your heart. Let's just pause that thing of growing and being deliberate, resolution, whatever you want to call it for 2019. Let's just put on on pause for a moment. We're going to head back there in, in just a bit. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 13. It's up on the screens as well. If you don't have your, your own Bible here, you're more than welcome to, to read off the screens. And it's a passage which I personally have, have preached about often and prayed about often and, and thought about often. And yet as I head into 2019, it's a passage which just again is stirring something in my heart. It's challenging me in a, in a beautiful way. Matthew 13 from verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. I remember the first time that I preached about this was just after the movie Blood Diamond had come out. Some of you may remember that movie way back when. And we still went and watched it in Sterland. I think it was four rand or six rand a movie in Sterland. And it was sort of a beautiful cultural experience because kind of where I'm from, you sit and you watch the movie in Sterland. You're commenting, you're talking, you're laughing. And it's an interactive experience. It was precious. But I watched this movie and I thought... This is a brilliant script. And whoever written this, whoever wrote this, has just read Scripture and taken Scripture and made a movie out of it. Someone who found a treasure, in that case a beautiful big pink diamond, and he hides it in the field. And the whole movie is about basically him and a bunch of other people giving their lives to rediscover, to go and fetch this treasure that is so precious to them. Again, carrying on that same theme, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. He sold everything that he owned and bought it. And here as we sort of at the the start of 2019, launching into this new year, this new page that's turned over, that some of us start of a career, start of a new subject, start of sort of a new phase of our lives for many of us, and we're launching into that. I'm challenged by this question, how much do I value my relationship with Jesus? It comes and he says the kingdom of heaven is like this guy who gave up absolutely everything to get it. And every, over and over I'm challenged by, but hey, have I discovered that element of the kingdom of heaven? Have I discovered the kingdom of heaven in such a way that I am willing to right now give up everything on this earth for it? The theory is easy. The answer is easy. I said I've preached this many times, but I'm just once again just so challenged by that. And perhaps in me this One thing for 2019 that I want to be really, really deliberate about is, Jesus, I want to grow to this place where this becomes even more real for me. 
because perhaps for every one of us it, it is real to some extent, but if I'm honest with myself, it's not totally completely real. As much as I like to think that I'm, I'm all in, one of the best descriptions I've ever heard of what it means to really follow Christ was given by a gambler. I think Francis Chan tells the story. And there was sort of a notorious gambler in his community who came to Christ. And this guy was known kind of for just gambling away everything he had. And the pastor called him over and said, listen, do you know what it means? You're saying you're committing your life to Jesus. Kind of, we need to sit down and talk about it. And the guy puts up your hand and says, listen, I know what this means. I'm all in. In gambling speak. Everything I have is on this table. All of my cards are placed on Jesus. All of my eggs are in this one basket. This is all that I have left. I've given up. I've sold everything else. And all I have left is this one basket because this one basket is worth it. There was somebody who really perhaps exemplified this for us in Scripture. The man named Paul who started off as Saul and was passionate about the things of God, had a powerful encounter with Jesus, kind of, he was on a, a horse or a donkey or whatever it was, and he was traveling towards a city called Damascus. And on the way there, he had an encounter with Jesus. He saw Jesus. This was after Jesus' death. It was after his resurrection. It was after his ascension into heaven. This poor guy is going to Damascus, or Saul at that stage, and he's wanting to throw people in jail who are following Jesus. And he has this encounter with Jesus. And from that moment, his life turns around and he begins to, to a large extent, he is the example to me of somebody who found this treasure and lived as if this was his treasure. This was all that mattered to him. And in the book of Philippians, which he writes right towards the end of his life, he, he writes this beautiful passage about him having had everything that means anything to a Jewish boy. He was sort of of the highest echelon. He was Dax scholar. He was first in the class. He was the first team rugby captain. He had kind of, he had the full CV that any Jewish boy would have. And then we pick up what is sort of his, in the first six verses of Philippians 3, he says, I've had all of these things. Everything that the world holds before us. And then from verse 7, he says, I once thought these were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for this sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us rise with himself depends on faith. And then verse 10, which is a, a verse I want us to zoom into. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be spending a lot of time around sort of this verse. I want to know Christ. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Verse 10 there, I want to know Christ. Some of your translations might say, that I may know Him. For me, kind of reading this, I'm challenged by who is writing this. This is the, what we would call today the great apostle, the apostle of apostles, the 
greatest missionary evangelist church planter that's ever lived, the person who perhaps in all of human history has demonstrated best to us what it means to follow Jesus and obedient to his call. And at the end of his life, he writes, I want to know Jesus. He's not writing, I know Jesus. He writes, I want to know Jesus. There is so much about this Jesus that he doesn't know yet. He realizes that the more he gets to know Jesus, the more he realizes there is more of Jesus that he needs to get to know. It's a little bit like when we try and discover infinity. I love how someone once said, the problem with counting to infinity, it's not getting to the end, it's knowing where to start. If you're counting to infinity, what's the first number you count? Because if you pick one, you've, mi- you've missed an infinite number of numbers. You, you can't even, and discovering Jesus is a bit like that. The more you think you're getting closer to the end, all you're realizing is I can just carry on literally forever and ever and ever. I think for some of us who've followed Jesus for a long time, we, we perhaps begin to step into this place, step into what I guess would be a bit of a deception or a lie, that, hey, I, I know Jesus. I'm okay. I'm not saying we're not okay, but perhaps as I head into 2019, the one thing that's just the whole holiday, this one phrase was just going over and over and over in my head. I had a really long extended holiday, which I really enjoyed. My wife and I were able to really go away and just have fun time with the kids. And I think easily the longest holiday I've ever had since I finished studying, because when you're studying, it's lots of holiday. But since then, uh, easily the longest holiday we've, we've been my wife, since we've married, we've had it together with the kids. It was just such a great time of refreshing. I love the course we did with John Andrews last year. And if you, some of you haven't done it, I encourage you to do it. Go into our website. It's there somewhere. You can just search Chofar online, John Andrews. You'll find it. And he did a session on rest, which was so beautiful. Different ways in which we rest. And then he He used the word, which I never thought of it this way, recreation, which we all should do. We should all have recreation in our lives. And then kind of for the first time, I can't remember if he dwelled on it or if it was just something that my head clicked into a little bit. But the word recreation comes from recreating, to recreate. And I guess in a month or two's time, I'll spend some time talking to us about rest, just out of the period of rest that I've been through. And the power of recreation, of allowing the Holy Spirit to recreate in us. And rest has the power to do that. Recreation has the power to do that. That's one of the powers of Sabbath. It's just the time where we step back, not to rest, not to recharge as much as that's important, but to allow the Holy Spirit to recreate. To bring creativity back and inspiration and hope and to stir those things that we need for life inside of us. And as I was going through this time, it was just one phrase over and over in my head. I want to know Him. I want to know Him. I want to know Him. And as we head into 2019, if I were to have a New Year's resolution, I've never had New Year's resolutions in my life, but if there was one thing that I wanted to write down that in 2019, and probably 2020, 2021, 2022, until Jesus comes back or I die. An area that I want to grow in is, Jesus, I want to know you. 
I realize that as I say that there are a whole bunch of ands. <laughs> but I'm being very deliberate in myself, just in my own approach and what I'm saying to not do the end. Because what I want to say is I want to say, I want to know Christ and help others to know Christ. I want to know Christ and be obedient to what He is telling me to do. I want to know Christ and, 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 and. And there's nothing wrong with those ands. I'm not saying we must ignore them, but I, I think for me what's just so important, and I guess perhaps for many of us, is just to say the end will, we're not going to not end. We're not going to be not obedient. We are going to be obedient, whatever. I've got too many knots there. I'm confusing myself here. We are going to be, be obedient to whatever it means when we know Christ. And I think for me, for this year, and I want to invite you because I just know that's the way that God's work, God works with church as well, to come along for that ride. To say, but Jesus, this year I want to know you more. I realize knowing Jesus more means I'm going to be hopefully reflecting him more. And as I reflect him more, I'm going to be loving more. Perhaps there's some things I'm going to be doing more. And there's going to be an outflow of the knowing him more. I'm not discounting that. But I'm not focusing on that. And this year, I want to invite all of us together, individually and collectively, as, as much sort of as we can as a church, and it's a conversation we're going to have with our staff all the time. Everything we're doing, we want to ask this one question, is how is it helping us to know Jesus better? Whether it's foundations, whether it's Bible school, whether it's Sunday services. There's so many ways, kind of the things that we're going to do, but at the core of all of them, we just want to have this one thing. Is it helping people to know Jesus better? Are we knowing Him better because of this that we are doing? Are we creating opportunities to know Him? And there's so many ways. And as I said, over the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of dig into some of these. Kind of, we can obviously know God through His Word. We learn to know Him through worship. We know Him by viewing and knowing His ways. We know Him by hearing His voice. So many different ways in which we grow to know Him. But as we head into 2019, I want to put that out there for ask you, to, for all of us perhaps to buy into, to pray together about, to engage with, to say, hey, I want to be a part of, because I, I love that about church, and I, I think as a church we get that. I love that we're not a consumer church. From time to time, I have people come to me and they say, hey, Philip, our church doesn't give this, so I'm going to go to the church which offers that. And, and I get there's a time and a season for all of that. But I realize they're going to go there and they want to go and sit in a program and they're not going to be part of the program. Because the conversation that I'd like to have with people is, well, how can you help us so that we can do that? Do you want to go to a church and be a consumer from a church? Or do you want to be part of the community, part of the group, part of the family? And I love that we're not a consumer church. I want to invite us this year to say, Jesus, how can I be part of getting to know you better? Creating an atmosphere, creating a culture where we get to know you better. Where we deliberate about getting to know Christ better. I've just even, what are we in? Six days into this year, it's just so amazing how even some little thoughts, some little decisions, I'm just like, well, let me do this the Jesus way. Because in doing that, I'm going to get to know him better. Maybe normally I would have done that, but let me just pause a little bit and just double check with God. How would he do this? 
Because in doing that, I get to know him better. You see, here's the Apostle Paul right at the end of his life, and he wants to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him, really, really know him. Revelation chapter 1. I mean, there's so many things that we can, and as I said, in weeks to come, we'll look at some of these. But I just want us to read this one passage here. Just a picture of Jesus. And I say this every time I read this because it, it gives context to me what we're reading. It's written, most people believe, by John, who's the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. That's the same John who was one of the disciples. He calls himself the beloved disciple. When it's the Last Supper, he's the one sitting next to Jesus. The last meal that Jesus has here on this earth as sort of in human form. He's sitting next to Jesus. And he's lying, he's resting with his head on, on Jesus' chest. He's the one emotionally who was probably closest to Jesus. And now towards the end of his life, he's on an island. And there he has this vision. He's kind of been on type of solitary confinement because he's telling everyone about Jesus. And he's on this island called Patmos. And there he has a vision of Jesus. And we read the book of Revelation. And sometimes we read the book of Revelation trying to understand the things that are to come. Except the book's title, if you were to go to the title of the book of Revelation, it's not the revelation of things to come. It's not the revelation of the end times. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're meant to read it with this primary question. What is this showing me about who Jesus is? Not so much what is this showing me about what is going to come. Obviously there are things hidden there about that which is to come. But more important and the way I would encourage you to read the book of Revelation is what is this revealing to me about Jesus? Because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the first chapter we read this beautiful bit. So he's in this vision. And in this vision he turned to see who was speaking to me. And I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Do you remember John knew the Son of Man really well? He knew him intimately. He was close to him. He was wearing a long robe and with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, it just I want to say this because important that we don't miss this. When I saw him, who is seeing him? John, the beloved disciple, who was resting on his breast in the, at the Last Supper. The one who was there with Jesus, the one who was probably the youngest of the disciples, the one who was most at liberty to, in a sense, engage in joke with Christ in what we pick up in, from the Scriptures. When that John saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. He's seeing a different Jesus. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and the grave. 
I want to know Jesus. I want to know Him. And I want to invite you as we head into 2019 to pray that with me and to say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. You know, at what stage do I stop knowing my wife? At what stage do I stop wanting to grow in knowing my wife? When we get engaged, okay, I know her. Yes, I know her. That's why I want to get engaged to her. On the wedding day, yes, I know her because I want to marry her. On the 10-year wedding anniversary, the 20, the 30, the 40, the 50, at what stage do I stop? And it's the same as we come to Christ. To say, Jesus, I want to know you. Yes, I know you, but I still want to know you. Just like Paul did as he comes to the, to the end of his life. I'm going to ask the ashes to pass the elements of, of the communion around. And we're going to take communion together this morning. and Pray the simple prayer. If you have the liberty to do so with me in just a few moments. Jesus, this year, I want to get to know you. I want to know you. That I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. There's some important bits in there that we can't ignore. As I said, we're not going to major on this for today. I just want to mention it. He says, I want to suffer with him. I want to suffer with him. One of our core values, passion for Jesus. We think of passion often as the person who's most exuberant, most loud, most upfront. That's the passionate guy. And in a sense, it is. But if you go back to the root of the word passion, passion literally means suffer. When are we passionate for Jesus? When we're willing to suffer for Jesus. The apostles write that they were honored, that they were counted worthy to suffer for His name's sake. Knowing Jesus is going to include some suffering. We must be honest with ourselves about that. We must put that up front. It doesn't help hiding and running from that. If we want to know Jesus, it's going to include some suffering. But it's also going to include a resurrection from the dead. It's going to include a, a knowledge of the power of the cross. It's going to include so much of what we read about and hear about. And even just this morning, I was aware of the songs we were singing. These beautiful songs about how great and precious and beautiful and worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy. How worthy is He? We're going to grow in our knowledge of, of His worth. So this year, as a start and as a focus for this year, long may it continue into decades. What if we were to know Jesus as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep? As we were to know him as the good father, the lover of our soul, if we were to know him as the bread of life, and we truly do live by every word that proceeds from his mouth. What if we were to know Him as the water of life? That when we drink from Him, we will never thirst again. So many different ways in which Christ reveals Himself in the Scripture. Here He speaks about Himself as the first and the last. What if He was, I love that beautiful song we sing sometimes, Jesus, you are more than enough. All of you is more than enough for all of me. What if we really believed that was true? What if we discovered Jesus to be more than we ever needed? Here's a crazy one. 
What if I was more willing to spend time studying the Bible than on Netflix, watching my sport? Not saying those things are inherently bad, but, you know, is it, hey, I can't wait to get home to fill in the blank. I remember a while ago, there's a man named Israel Hutton, a great worship leader, writes incredible music, and we sing some of his songs in church even here from time to time. And I remember listening to sort of a part of his a podcast he was doing about when he got into music, and he was a drummer, and they asked him um, to start leading worship, and he was really nervous about it. He's probably one of the best worship leaders in the world at the moment, but he was a drummer, and he liked sort of, in that sense, hiding behind the drums. And he started writing songs and playing piano. And he was staying in a small place, and the piano was in his kitchen. And he'd go back to the kitchen, and that's where he'd write the songs. And he said something so beautiful began to happen there. That's where he really met God in a powerful, powerful way. He was intimately alone. I remember this one line that he says that stuck with me. Ever, He says he would go to work, and he would go even on stage, and he would do everything else. But he says, I could never wait to get back to the kitchen. Whatever else he was doing, he couldn't wait to get back to the kitchen. And I wonder when you and I, what we're busy with, what is the thing? Man, I can't wait to get back to there where I'm going to meet God. There where I know God is. Yes, the new series is starting tonight, but you know what? I actually don't care because I'm, man, I'm so enjoying Philippians right now. Wow, there's this new thing that everyone's doing. It's the biggest game of the year. Now, be careful what I'm saying because it's a Rugby World Cup year. But hey, <laughs> Rugby World Cup final. South Africa's playing in the final. We're favorites to win. <laughs> Not really, but hey, let's live in a la-la land for a bit. Okay. It's going to be amazing, but you know what? I'm so enjoying Leviticus right now. It's a crazy thought, isn't it? It's a crazy thought. But what if we truly believed that Leviticus was the inspired word of the living God who breathed his life over that text? That it has the power to change and to transform, to renew, to bring me closer to Jesus. What if we valued God's word so much? I want to know you, Jesus. I'm not saying don't watch the Rugby World Cup finals. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm just kind of illustrating, a, what are we hungry for? What am I hungry for? This year, Jesus, I want to end this year more hungry for you, knowing you more, experiencing. I, I want Matthew 14, I think it was Matthew 14. What was it, Matthew 13, 44 to 46. Jesus, I want to give up absolutely everything to encounter this more. Because, hey, that's what eternity is going to be about. Don't know if there are going to be any Rugby World Cup finals in eternity. There is going to be Jesus. There is going to be worship. There is going to be His voice. And I think maybe, just maybe, we're selling ourselves short here on this earth if we're not allowing ourselves to believe that. I'm not saying don't enjoy the things of this earth. God's put us on this earth and the things of this earth that we are meant to enjoy. Not the worldly, carnal things, but things of this earth that God is very much into. But what are we hungry for? What are we excited about? Do we really believe? Do we really, really, really believe that Jesus is better 
than anything. One of the best kind of counters to sin that I've ever heard. Every time we choose to sin, we simply buy into the lie that something is better than Jesus. Every time we choose to sin, that's all we're doing. We're saying, Jesus, this other thing is better than you. What if we really believed Jesus was better than anything? Can we stand this morning? I'd like us to pray together. Jesus, this morning we want to thank you that you are the Word made flesh, that you are the light of the world, that you came and dwelt amongst us. Jesus, that you died on a cross so that we may have life and life in abundance. Lord, as much as we know you, we're so thankful that you've revealed yourself to us in so many ways, Lord, so many different times, Lord. So many of us, as we're standing here this morning, have experiences, have moments we can point to, we can show, we can say, that moment, God was there, and I met him, and I know him. We know that's true, Jesus. But at the same time, we want to echo the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, that Jesus, we want to know you. We want to know you. As individuals, we want to know you. As a church community, a church family, we want to know you. We want to know what it means to follow you. And we want to see you in the way that John saw you and he, he thought he knew you and then he saw you again and he fell at your, at your feet as if he was dead because suddenly he saw something of you that he never knew before. We want to know you as being the all-sufficient one, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We want to know you as being everything that you say that you are. We want to know you as being almighty, holy, worthy, pure, beautiful in every single way, not as the world gives, but as the way that you give. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would pour grace over us in this year and the years to come, that we may know you, that we may know you. Just as you're standing, if that's resonating with your heart, don't you want to just pray whatever that is in your heart? Just bring it before Jesus. Maybe there's a specific way about him that you, you've heard other people speak him, about him as that or share of those experiences with him, and you've never had that. And you're so just desiring to meet him in that way and to know that part of him. Just bring that before him. Just in your own Jesus, this morning, as you hear our heart's desire, I thank you that you are good and glorious and faithful in all of your ways. That you say when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so it's with expectation that we head into this year, Lord God. We, no, we don't have to t twist your arm, God. We don't have to coerce you. We don't have to win you over to get to know you. We just have to draw near to you. Be willing to listen at times to shut out the things of this world so that we can tune into you and dial into what you're saying to quiet the other voices so that we may hear your voice more clearly.
And so this year, we want to be deliberate about knowing you, Jesus. We want to be deliberate, Lord. We're thankful, Jesus, that you are the one who gave your body. You are the one who was broken so that we may be made whole. You are the one who came to just bridge the abyss, that big chasm between us and the Father. You are the one who came to make us holy again, even though we are so unholy. You're the one who came to wash our sin away. We're thankful for the cross. We thank you for your broken body, which made it all possible. Let's eat together. Jesus, we're thankful for your blood. We're thankful for what it represents, that the life of the flesh is in the blood, and you've given it upon the altar to make atonement for our souls. That your blood still speaks, and it speaks better things than that of Abel. It speaks of life and hope and resurrection and joy, peace, grace, and truth. It talks about redemption, restoration, and healing. for the power of your blood to wash and to cleanse to renew so we commit 2019 to you we pray your blood over it over our paths, over our safety, over our health over our families, over our finances our careers, over everything that you call us to do, we pray your blood over it Jesus we pray your blood over our lives over our relationship with you that we may grow in knowing you. Let's drink together. Jesus, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for a new year, for a new start for so many of us, for new hope, for new ways, for new promises, new revelations of who you are, for new relationships. Just sense God is wanting to just in some of our hearts just instill peace and wanting to say that 2019 is going to be okay. His hand is on it. That the good work which He has started, He will complete. Be anxious for nothing. In all things by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to Him. And His peace, which surpasses all understanding, is going to guard your heart, it's going to guard your mind, it's going to guard your 2019. Things may not necessarily turn out exactly as you'd planned, but they're going to turn out okay. Commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your paths to Him. He will direct you. His hand is upon you. Just saying, God, wanting to say that specific to someone. You're anxious about 2019. You're anxious about what's going. There's a lot of confusion and things that you're not sure about. And Jesus says, commit it into His plan. He's got it. He wants to get to know you. He wants you to get to know Him as the all-sufficient one, the provider. He's got it. Jesus, thank you right now just for your peace to descend upon us, especially those people who are slightly anxious for this year. Thank you for those who are starting new careers and new cities. 
new seasons. But you're with us in that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, maybe right kind of towards the end, when I just felt God saying that some of us are a little bit anxious about the year, and you want someone to pray with you about that, I want to invite you to step forward. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're saying, Philip, I want to know Jesus, but I don't know that I've ever started to know him. It's the first time I've prayed a prayer like that, or I haven't even, and I just want to take a step closer to Jesus. I want to invite you as well. Step forward. We would love to pray with you. Whatever you're going through, if you want someone to pray with you, maybe something totally different, and you just need prayer about something in your life, you're also more than welcome. We would love to pray with you. If you do need to go, thanks so much for joining us. Have an awesome, awesome week. Have an awesome 2019. I hope I see you before the end of 2019 again. But have an awesome 2019. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.